Hello, Nathan Foster here, and welcome once again to the Renovare Weekly Podcast. My guest this week is Steve Falver. Steve is the pastor of spiritual health and care at Newburgh Friends Church in Newburgh, Oregon. He also does some teaching for George Fox University in their PsyD program. And in this interview, we talk about spiritual retreats and a recent experience that Steve had of spending 30 days in a monastery. Um, do forgive a, a, a bit of an echo in this uh, podcast. I'm in a just moved to a new house and we have no furniture, so it's a little echoey in here. And you just might get to hear my son bouncing a ball in the background. Uh, so b- bear with me. Furniture is coming. Um, as always, thank you so much for listening and enjoy. Steve, good to see you. Welcome, Nathan. Good to see you. <laughs> well, we have an interesting connection point. Maybe, maybe we could start with that. Yeah, the church you're um, pastoring as the uh, health and care pastor at Newburgh Friends Church in Oregon. Yeah, yeah, to connect. Uh, I think you used to run around Newburgh Friends a bit when you were a, a little one. <laughs> I remember um, dragging my feet on the carpet to shock people. <laughs> <laughs> So your dad was your dad was my pastor when I was uh, in grade school. Yes. It would have been um, back in the mid to late seventies, I think, somewhere mm-hmm. in that range. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, it's it's been fun to have the, the historical and then the reconnect with you over the last what five to six years. Yeah, there. yeah. It's, I'm such a dork for kind of my dad's history and his mm-hmm. his work, mm-hmm. and so it, it's fun mm-hmm. for me to have that connection point. And, and to me, Newberg friends, you know, their gift of giving my dad space to f- finish celebration discipline. Um, yeah. it was just a, a beautiful piece of the history of his life. And, yeah. Yeah. Very much so. And then yeah, and there's, it's, it's fun to hear people talk about their experiences of, of him when he was here. Um, we still have folks that either were, you know, in college with him at George Fox or who, Knew him, prayed for him, listened to him. Um, in fact, the other, uh, I don't know, a couple of years ago, I found these tapes mm-hmm. of his, of a series he did on meditation. Mm-hmm. And it was a four part series. And so I've uh, digitized those and, and they're really fun. It's fun to hear him talk about this book that he was in process of writing. <laughs> He's talking about, these are the 12 chapters of my book. <laughs> and some of you know that it's about ready to be finished. And, and so it was really fun to think in terms of that uh, kind of that piece of history of when he was here and then teaching and and really planting some deep seeds for this community mm-hmm. in the areas of uh, of the of the disciplines mm-hmm. uh, solitude and silence and celebration meditation all those it was mm-hmm. it was fun to stumble across those I felt like I was kind of doing an archaeological dig and, <laughs> and stumbling across these tapes of the dad's teaching and. Um, it was really, really fun. That's so. fun. That's cool. And and if I can continue being mm-hmm. kind of dorky about this, the chair you have this, yeah, the chair, yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah. There's this chair that we have that uh, that he used uh, here in the office, and it's just right, actually, it's just right in the room next door to me, kind of behind my bookshelf here, and it's a it's a fun old leather chair. Um, has you know, it's been. It's been well loved and well used. <laughs> it's beat to no end. Yeah. Why yeah. you didn't throw it out years ago? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either. 
the special chair. Uh, well, Steve, you have been working with people on retreat, spiritual retreat for years, and you do, is it yearly, the Sabbath by the Sea? Yeah, so all the whole month of January down at Twin Rocks Friends Camp, we, we just create space for people to come for either a half week or a full week of, of Sabbath, of rest and prayer. And it's small groups, 12 people max. So we just try and create space at the beach, which is a hmm. beautiful setting. Mm-hmm. Walk out on the sand, you know, to feel the wind and the rain. January, Oregon coast is a little different than <laughs> January, maybe other coasts. So yeah, quite a bit of rain and wind and a chance for people just to stop mm-hmm. and to breathe and to be present um, with themselves and with God. And um, so, yeah, we've been doing that for a number of years. And uh, so it's, it's just a gift. It's a gift for me. Um, I love leading them because then it creates space for me to be there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um and to be in in the silence and solitude. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you do, I mean, it's a proper retreat. I mean, so often when we say retreat in Christian settings, what we mean is a conference in the woods right. uh, with right. lots of teachings yeah. and lots yeah. of activities. Yeah. But this is really carving out space for people to be together and to be with God. Yeah, yeah very much. In fact, I often will talk about it as it's an, it's an individual retreat with others. Mm-hmm. So, you're there, and and what I find is people often say, "Oh, I wish I could do this." You know, I'd, I'd like to go do it, and I've been wanting to do it, and I just I just never make the time, I never make the space. So yeah, we just basically have some real simple prayers in the morning, a little bit of listening as a group, and then we send people out all day long. They're free; um, they can meet for spiritual direction, but then we meet for worship in the evening, mm-hmm. and uh, pretty simple meals, and people just are free to to rest and be. And I always tell people, don't be, don't be surprised if your body lets down, if you fall asleep <laughs> and, and almost inevitably people are like, yeah, you know, the first couple days they just are out. They just sleep a ton. Yeah. And, uh, and we try and give permission for that. We just say, this is good. This mm-hmm. is what your body needs. Mm-hmm. Your spirit needs. So yeah, that's good. That's good. And um, in, in terms of, I know a lot of people have some resistance to doing a retreat like that. And, and mm-hmm. I want to get to this recent retreat you had, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 30 days in a monastery, right? Yeah. But, yeah. but before just a disclaimer, explain to me why taking a retreat like you've done or others do or you lead, why that's not a selfish act. <laughs> yeah. I often will have people process that like, Oh, I just, I just can't do it. It just, it does. It feels self indulgent or selfish for me here's what i here's what i think i found for myself and as i uh, kind of in in uh, interact with other people is this sense of um if you want to be healthy for other people in your life in your lives in your life um you really need to create space for yourself and mm-hmm. and also i think it's um part of the rhythm of the way that God created life. When I look around, there are these rhythms. I can look out my window right now and I see here in Oregon, it's November and we have still some leaves on the trees, but there also are some bushes that have, have nothing on them and they're moving into this dormant stage. And so for me, I just want to encourage people that it is not selfish. In fact, it's really Self, I think it's selfish if you don't take time, hmm. because what that means is you are 
deciding that you're going to just say, no, I'm not going to live into the way God has created this world, this rhythm, this life, this pace. And so for me, what I, I think for myself is I've got to have time and space mm-hmm. so that I can be a dad, I can be a husband, mm-hmm. I can be a pastor, I can be a friend, I can serve those around me and mm-hmm. and let the roots grow deep. Um, that's part of it too, is let those roots do the work underground. Um, and so, yeah, I, I do find that resistance in people. It feels mm-hmm. selfish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, but it, it, I mean, you, you, you highlighted it and that's been my experience is that it just uh, enables me to be more present to others when exactly. I have that space of being present yep. to God. Um, yeah, very much so. Great. Very much so. And, and so recently, your church was so kind to give you an extended sabbatical. Yeah. And you started the sabbatical with 30 days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I had this four-month sabbatical, and um, I actually applied for a grant and got a grant through the Lilly Foundation, which was, which was significant. Mm-hmm. And part of the grant proposal, they encourage you to think about how to be intentional in the sabbatical instead of just, I'm going to sit at home and work on home projects for four months. Mm-hmm. And as I did that, I found myself really feeling drawn to take some time at, uh, we have a Trappist Abbey, about, it's about 10 minutes from my house. Mm-hmm. And I just felt really drawn to take some extended time away for the first 30 days. And so, yeah, it was a, it was an intentional choice to, to, in essence, go away for those 30 days and have a different pattern, a different rhythm. Um, Cause I've been a pastor here for 25 years wow. and I've gotten in a lot of rhythm for 25 years. That's mm-hmm. uh, almost half of my life. <laughs> and <laughs> that makes me feel a little bit old. Um, but, but those 25 years I've, I've gotten into patterns and some of them are really healthy and some of them I, I need to change and shift. Mm-hmm. And so it was a, a gift to go away for 30 days for sure. I, I love this that you it, it took a retreat ten minutes from your house, <laughs> yet yet chose to have next to no contact with your family during this time. Yeah, yeah. correct. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I spent um, the first the first two weeks I had no contact. I I kept my phone off. Well, let me clarify. I used my phone as an alarm. Mm-hmm. And I used my phone to take pictures because that was <laughs> that was fun. But other than that, I had I had no connect as far as with the outside world for those two weeks. Um, and then the last two weeks were very limited. I I was very very um, intentional about just staying staying unplugged. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was really hard to know I was ten minutes away from my family, mm-hmm. who, who I see every day and interact with every day, and they were. Um, in school and playing baseball and working and living life. And I had no contact. It was <laughs> really challenging at first. Um, one of the things I did is I wrote letters to them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I actually wrote physical letters and handwritten letters to them. Nice. That was so fun because what I found is as I wrote things, it was a different type of communication with them. Mm-hmm. It was a chance to say some things that maybe I don't always say mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. also reflect on my experience um, as I was there for those 30 days. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How did they handle you disappearing for a month? Um, yeah. It, it, in talking to, to Diane, that's my wife, especially mm-hmm. um, it was pretty challenging, um, especially for the first, like I said, those first two weeks. 
they also really enjoyed, um, again, those letters were really meaningful to them mm-hmm. because they spoke in different ways and communicated different things. Uh, but it was hard. I mean, it was, it was challenging. It was really, it was a sacrifice, a gift that they offered to me as well to create a space for me to be away. Um, and, and, and the community around jumped in as well. So one of the things that happened is we have neighbors that were willing to take Isaac to school and Mm -hmm. people that were willing to help with, uh, things that had to happen around the house. And so in some ways, again, I couldn't, couldn't have done it if I didn't have the community support Mm -hmm. around me. That was really, that was really important. Cool. Well, tell us a little what it was like to you, cause you fully immersed yourself in monastic life for that month. I did. Yeah, I, I say, and, and, you know, and kind of ingest that I was a monk for a month. And the reason I say that in jest is because I don't, I don't want to communicate at all that I understand what it's like to be one of the brothers mm-hmm. at the Abbey. Because they don't do it for a month. They've, they feel this call and this drawing to the monastic life for life. Mm-hmm. Many of them have lived out there for 30, 40, 50 years um, or more, some of them. And so so for me, it was becoming a monk for a month. Um, but I did. <laughs> I, I donned my robes. I actually put on the full, the full robes with them when we went into <laughs> the times of worship and prayer. And I lived in their kind of dorm area. They gave me a room uh, and... And I ate meals with them, and I, I, I basically they just embraced me. It was just just mm-hmm. a beautiful gift. Because one of the things that was interesting for me is I'm I come from a, a Quaker perspective, mm-hmm. and that's kind of the stream that I'm a part of. And this is a Catholic monastery, mm-hmm. and these brothers just embraced me. They had no problem with me being a Quaker. Mm-hmm. It was beautiful. Uh, Father Fra- uh, Francis, he's one of these older monks. He's probably in his mid eighties to upper eighties. He's um, I'm I'm kind of hunching over as I'm speaking because that's the picture of him. He's um, older and uh, and as he as he talked with me, I'm six six, so he would look up at me a bit <laughs> and talk. And he and I, I can remember, we were downstairs getting ready to go out for work one day. We're talking about Quakers. We're talking about Catholics and what we realized is that at the core we have so much in common. Mm-hmm. And so it was just this beautiful embrace of them putting up with this Quaker that <laughs> they didn't know. So they fully let me live with them. They just mm-hmm. invited me and uh, were gracious. It's wonderful. Um, tell us a little about the routine, the schedule that you kept each day. Yeah. So I was up at three forty-five a.m. Um, <laughs> why? <laughs> I know. Well, I'm fortunately am mostly a morning person. I'm, I'm um, often t- up till 3:45 a.m. Yeah, too. you're up on the other end. <laughs> That's more our typical schedule. So yeah, 3:45. I was up and I was in the in the sanctuary, the chapel at four uh-huh. for some time of quiet um, for morning prayers at 4:15, mm-hmm. um, and they they start the morning um, with. One of their morning prayers is this um, simple prayer. It's uh, blessed be the name of the Lord. And then and then they sing. I'm going to try and sing it. They sing the simple prayer from the rising of the sun to its setting. The name of the Lord is to be praised. Glory be to the father and the son. And and I did it too low. 
<laughs> and to the Holy Spirit, Amen. Mm-hmm. So they they do this in the morning, from the rising of the sun until its setting. The name of the Lord is to be praised, mm-hmm. and that is that sums up, and that's been a prayer that's continued with me. That sums up their life of prayer, mm-hmm. from the rising of the sun until its setting. And I would say, actually, they probably continue to pray through the night mm-hmm. in their. The name of the Lord is to be praised. So we were up and, and actually saw the rising of the sun. <laughs> and then and and so then I moved into this time of simple breakfast and then into a time of, of Lectio Divina praying the scriptures, which was, mm-hmm. was beautiful. Um, and then they and, and and when I say I moved into really what happened is they said, here's the schedule you need to keep, mm-hmm, which was unique. Because I'm usually in charge of my schedule, at least. I, <laughs> and they said, "Here's the schedule, the monastic schedule that you need to keep." So I went from uh, Lectio Divina into a time of of individual meditation mm-hmm. in a little room called Bethany House, and kneeled for about forty minutes, and then moved into a mo- another morning prayer, and then into Mass, and then into Terse, which is uh, the third kind of liturgical prayer, with just <laughs> two brothers. And then, and then I started my work morning. So it was interesting by, uh, that was about 8.15. So I had, had by 8.15 in the morning, which is usually kind of the start of our day, mm-hmm. um, I had already had this rich and full morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I worked. Okay. And I, I worked alongside the brothers. I did um, washing windows and I weeded and I spread bark dust and I... Um, did all these different kind of jobs um, mm-hmm. needed to be done. Okay. Um, one of the jobs, which was interesting, which I'll come back to the schedule, but one of the jobs I did about four days in, five days in, was um, to help dig a grave. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. um, brother John. He would call all of us bro. He called <laughs> me bro. How's it going, bro? <laughs> um, How's it going, bro, Steve? And uh, he he was just a, a an amazing man. He uh, worked outside, worked with his hands. It was very gracious and um, caring spirit. And on about the fifth day, I was there. He was mowing, and he and he passed away. He died. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so what happened is that the brothers just invited me in to this experience. Um, I was there when they did last rites over his body. I was there when they um, prayed with him for 24 hours over his body, they prayed the Psalms. Mm. And then when we processed into the sanctuary, and then when we did the service. And one of the things I did is help dig his grave. And uh, we used a backhoe, so they do have you know tools <laughs> that they use for part of it. But we still had to dig it by hand. Mm-hmm. Um, much. And it was just this powerful, powerful experience for me to be in this community with these brothers who were mourning the loss of a friend mm-hmm. of this man had lived there since the, the late uh, or early sixties, he had been in this community. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was one of the jobs that I did. That was a little different than my normal routine for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. And then, then I move each morning, then we'd have uh, another time of prayer and then lunch. Um, their meals are all silent. Okay. And, um, <laughs> except for, uh, here's another, here's another, um, except for, um, 
one of the things that was great is I was there for the Easter season. Mm-hmm. So I was there as they celebrated Easter. And in Protestant circles, at least this is my experience, we often, we do Easter on the Easter day, and then we're done, and mm-hmm. we kind of move on, right? Mm-hmm. These men in this community, they celebrated Easter for weeks. Wow. Celebrating the risen Christ among them. So they would, we would sing Alleluia, and we would be praising, and we would be celebrating for, for the months after this, what they call Paschal Tide, I think is what they call it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And, uh, and so one of the beautiful things was to do these uh, days of celebration like Pentecost and Ascension, mm-hmm. and uh, these brothers know how to party. <laughs> they really do. <laughs> they know how to celebrate. Um, so one of the things that was cool was to have these meals, these special meals with them. They're mm-hmm. vegetarians at the time. Okay. But uh, at, like, we'll use Pentecost, the day of Pentecost, it was a Sunday celebration. And so this noon meal, w- they would go all out, and they would have craft beers and wine and Tillamook ice cream and desserts, <laughs> and they would have salmon and shrimp and, and party. They'd have candles on the tables loud classical music in the background <laughs> and it was silent <laughs> no one would talk no one would talk <laughs> so can you imagine nathan get your whole family together sit around the thanksgiving table have a great meal ready and have music going in the background and candles and decorations and then have a silent meal uh, i think i would hate it <laughs> <laughs> at first it was really challenging for me but here's what happened. It was, it was powerful, and it's really hard to describe, but what happened is the sense of celebration deepened and took on a whole mm. new level for me mm-hmm. because I wasn't being distracted or being caught up in conversations. I was able to actually celebrate what was happening in the moment. Mm-hmm. I was able to enjoy the food. Mm-hmm. I was able to listen to the music. I was able to notice facial expressions with the other brothers that I was with. It was kind of, we sit kind of in a round in Mm -hmm. the, in the eating area and I would notice their expressions of joy Mm -hmm. or their expressions of noticing, listening to the music or enjoying the wine. And so the celebration took on such a different flavor. It was Mm -hmm. beautiful. So plus it was just really good food. (laughs) (laughs) Just nice. Okay. So you would, you, you get up in the morning with, prayers and then breakfast meditation some work lunch and then your afternoons what would they look like yeah then my afternoon was pretty free there was a few times um where i worked um they make fruit cake they make thirty thousand pounds of fruit cake a year and sell <laughs> you can order it online at www no i'm kidding um <laughs> So I sometimes would work, but mostly I had the the afternoon free, mm-hmm. and I would um, I would hike. They have beautiful property. I would walk. I would be outside in nature. I would rest. Um, I read. Mm-hmm. I read a, a book about uh, Pope Francis and Saint Teresa of of Lusseau. and so it was just a beautiful afternoon. Um, a few hours of just quiet and stillness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it was also hard but. because it was silent. <laughs> I'm an extrovert, and so um, I can do silence. And one of the things I realized as I was reflecting on this experience is often silence for me is pretty controlled. Okay. 
So I'll go out to the Abbey. I go out there pretty regularly, but I'll do 45 minutes mm-hmm, or I'll mm-hmm. do an hour and a half or I'll take 10 minutes in the morning. And I'm kind of in control of silence. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that was different to be there for 30 days and to be in a community of silence was I was no longer in control. Mm-hmm. That was really hard. It was really challenging, very stretching for me. Um, to have everything stripped away and to not be able to go, okay, I'm done. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm ready to start talking. I'm ready to go back to life. There was something powerful. So for me, it was this um, trying to make sure I create extended periods of, of quiet mm-hmm. where I kind of get to that point and then can kind of push through. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Really important. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the afternoon was a b- beautiful time um, and yet also challenging. And then dinner. Yeah, so then I would listen for the bells. The bells always rang to kind of alert me to the schedule. Mm-hmm. And I would move into actually another time of, of gathered corporate prayer. And then another time of about 40 minutes of meditation again. Mm-hmm. And then dinner. Um, then another time of gathered prayer in the evening. And um, and then I would have about, I took about a half hour or so to reflect on the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and write, and journal, and reflect um, and then I was in bed by about eight thirty at night, <laughs> as the sun is. Uh... The sun is still up because this was April and May, and so the sun is still shining uh, bright for part of the time. Uh-huh. Um, but my body acclimated pretty quickly uh-huh. to their uh-huh. their rhythm. Yeah. It, you get up at three forty-five, you're ready to go to sleep by eight <laughs> fifteen. I bet. I bet. Okay, then. Then what? What happened as your reentry back into? life and responsibilities and such. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was one of the things I wasn't sure how it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, anticipated it being pretty challenging. But one of the messages that I really felt as I was there, this this word from Christ was the word submit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, pretty early on, I'm, I'm not used to the kind of the Catholic pattern of you know, crossing yourself and when to stand and when to sit and when to bow and when to be quiet and all of that. Mm-hmm. And so um, early on, I had this like it was, well, do I have to understand what's this praying to Mary? How does that work? And and Christ just simply said, just just submit, just go with the flow. Mm-hmm. Just let it be. Mm-hmm. Do you trust that these, these men are trying to listen to Jesus, trying mm-hmm. to be attentive to God? Mm-hmm. And I do. Mm-hmm. So just submit. And that was a powerful and challenging call from Christ. Mm -hmm. So I did. Um, I tried to just flow into it freely. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when I transitioned, um, I wasn't sure. I was like, okay, God, what do I need to do? Do I need to get up at 345 when I get home? (laughs) You know, do I want to keep being a monk at home? And, (laughs) And Jesus said, no, just submit. Submit. Submit to the pattern of your family. Submit to your, submit to your kids. Submit to the world that you are a part of. Don't try and fight it, but but move into it. And and then continue to be aware of me in the midst of your everyday life. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was this, this simple, God, how can I be aware of you and grateful to you with every breath, every moment, mm-hmm. every experience, with every person, every day? Mm-hmm. Those five things. And so I just tried to be sensitive to that in my everyday and uh, just be grateful. Be grateful that my wife came to pick me up. (laughs) So here's what happened though. On the way home, 
um, she picked me up from the, the monastery. And on the way home, she said, um, again, I'd been called to submit. She said this. She said, Steve, uh, I saw a chair in the ditch on the way out. <laughs> would, would you mind stopping and picking it up? <laughs> the, the Steve before the 30 days of silence would have said this. We don't need a chair. Mm-hmm. Why are we going to stop? It's probably somebody else's. I, I would have had all of this stuff rising within me. But the the, the Steve that became uh, a different person said, sounds great. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's stop. Pick it up. And then she said, and also our washing machine went out while you were gone. And uh, I know this probably isn't going to be really good for you because you've just been in silence and it's been real quiet. But we need to go to the mall. <laughs> and again, instead of fighting it and going, oh, I can't go to the mall. I'm supposed to be a monk. I'm supposed to be a warhead. Supposed to be quiet. I said, okay, let's go to the mall. Yeah. And it was wonderful. Mm. So the re-engagement in some ways was challenging and hard. I'm, I missed the experience and the life, but also it was, it was okay. It was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I came home, my wife said, oh, you've been washing windows at the Abbey, huh? <laughs> of course, I got to wash windows at home. That's funny. Um, yeah. I had some time to do it. So. Yeah, well, that's beautiful. Okay, so help me out, because one of the things, I mean, I, I very much like retreat, and um, but sometimes when I'm at, you know, doing prolonged spaces of silence or prayer or listening to speakers and such, I, I find... I need to play. Mm-hmm. I just get a little kind of spiritual indigestion yeah. and I just need yeah. to yeah. see a movie or just laugh right. or something. I don't know. So how did you deal with that? Yeah. Well, well, one of the things that's great is I realized these, these brothers play. Okay. They know how to, they know how to play. I found this room, this kind of, I almost felt a little bit guilty, but not, I shouldn't at all. I found this room in the monastery it's a it's a it's a room that has um, tapes and DVDs and CD well CDs of of books on tape. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So you would think uh, these these men right at the monastery they would have books on prayer right and and reflection and a monastic life and they had this little section where they had um, Harry Potter, <laughs> Lord of the Rings <laughs> on tape okay. and other and other kind of books. So one of the things I realized is they're they're just real men, and they they know how to celebrate, they know how to play, um, and in fact they have great sense of humor. <laughs> I had this experience that happened. Um, so early on, I was I said I was a little bit anxious mm-hmm. about this monastic experience, and especially I was anxious about mass Sunday mass because mm-hmm. they have people that come join them for worship. Mm-hmm. So I was feeling anxious that first Sunday morning, and I was trying to say to the Lord, okay, God, I know this is prayer. This is not performance. I need to just release what's happening here and just enter in. But I was feeling anxious. I'm sitting up front. I'm in my robes. I'm chanting with them and praying with them and standing and sitting. And and so I sit down before before Mass starts. Brother Brian comes in. He's he's a monk from Ireland, actually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's only been there about five years at this monastery. He's in his mid mid to late forties. Mm-hmm. He's got this great Irish accent. He sits down next to me and he goes, he goes, "Hey, Steve, 
guess what we do for mass? We start mass with a little liturgical dance, and you get to go first. <laughs> so so we had this little chuckle, this little laugh. You knew I, it I, was a joke at that point. I knew it was a joke. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I could tell in his tone of voice, his, his hushed reverence joking voice, that um, this was a joke. And I say that because um, I'm totally with you. I need times of laughter. I need times of, of play. Um, and, and these brothers do that. Mm-hmm. They, they take time to enjoy life. Mm-hmm. Fresh bread. They bake fresh <laughs> bread. It's on Thursdays. So if you ever go out there on Thursday, you'll smell it. It just permeates the whole place. Um, you know, they, they know how to enjoy one, one of them went on a bike ride up the hill and down. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. But I say that because for me, yes, I totally agree. And I think that's really healthy, mm-hmm. especially extended periods of time to just play, just to be with God, mm-hmm, uh, especially mm-hmm. in creation, especially outside for me is, is helpful. Mm-hmm. They have a sign on their lake that says, um, Walking on water is limited to monks only. <laughs> so I wonder if some of it is reconditioning ourselves to different ways of play and that so mm. much of our kind of entertainment or, you know, kind of checking out is, you know, stim- you know, intense stimuli or, you know, yeah. um, but to yeah. say, you know, reading a book on, listening to a book on tape, riding a bike, um, right. having a laugh right. with a with the fellow brother that, that, that this works and this, this yeah. is helpful. Yeah. Part of it for me is just a bit of a turn to uh, really emphasize um, celebrating every moment, mm-hmm. like I said, and being grateful in and for maybe not for every moment, but at least in every moment. One morning I got up at, again, this is, um, this is probably, I think I was having breakfast at maybe a little bit before five and I was drinking this cup of coffee, and I noticed that it was a little bit weak. Mm-hmm. It was not good coffee. And I found myself just starting to complain. It was like, oh, man, this coffee's terrible. And, and it, was like, it was like the Spirit said one word to me, said this, really? <laughs> really? <laughs> it's 5 o'clock in the morning. You're sitting in a warm room. You have fresh bread in front of you. You have this cup of coffee that somebody else got up before 3.45 to make for you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it was a shift for me. It was a significant moment where I just went, oh, you're right. And I repented. I mean, it was just a simple turn to say, Mm. I want to be grateful for this gift of coffee. And so that, that turn of celebrating every moment, I think then for me has exactly, it's helped me to, to try and rethink what it is to celebrate, rethink what it is to play, mm-hmm. to enjoy every moment. Mm-hmm. And that I don't have to keep kind of just trying to find things that are out here mm-hmm. all the time, but rather find the little simple gifts that God has given. And for me, I, I mean, I can find them. Mm-hmm. You know, if I stop, mm-hmm. listen and pay attention, a simple cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. So that was powerful for me. Nice. Nice. Um, so for many of us, it's not realistic to take a 30-day retreat. Um, and for many people, to stretch even to take a day or two a, a, a year. Uh, what would you say yeah. for people who you know listen and kind of go, man, this, this sounds like something I should try. Um, what, what type of counsel might you have for people 
to take a retreat? Yeah. I think for me, uh, the key is the the word intentionality, to try and be intentional Mm -hmm. in creating whatever space you can in life. Mm -hmm. Because yes, each of us have seasons. Um, When we had young kids, it was literally impossible for me to go away for 30 days. It Mm -hmm. it was impossible to even go away for a day, it felt like. And so I had to just be intentional to create little places, little spaces of time. Um, and part of what I would also say is to try and find somebody else, uh, to help encourage you in this. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I look on my 30 days and I go, Newberg friends was very gracious to create space for me to be away. My wife helped for me to be away. Mm-hmm. My kids mm-hmm. helped for me to be away. My community around helped. And so that would be the other thing is to try and like maybe, okay, think in terms of maybe a couple and maybe you share childcare. For one another. Mm-hmm. So you say, you know, we're going to actually watch your kids for a couple hours. So you as a couple can go and have some space, whatever that looks like, mm-hmm. um, or find a friend who can help cover things for you for a day if you need to be away and you got to feed the dog or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so do it in community, um, but also just really find little moments whenever you can. Mm-hmm. And yet, and again, this is that, and yet, it's never just going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not like silence or solitude or quiet or away time is ever going to reach out and grab you mm-hmm. and make you, make you stop. And so I think you've got to, for me, I just have to try and write it in my schedule. Mm-hmm. One day a week or 10 minutes a day or whatever it is to be intentional. Cause you're right. Not everybody can go away for 30 days. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. In fact, I can't again, I'm not, I'm not going to be able to do that. <laughs> you know? retired or something. <laughs> well, yeah, hopefully in another 20 years I can do it. Uh, but, but yeah, so, so trying to just find those little spaces of silence. Yeah, that's good. I, I noticed for me, I have to write it in my calendar um, yep. and just hold it as sacred because I'll find yes. every reason not to, not to go. Um, and as, as we approach the end of the year, I mean, it's a good time to just look at the next calendar and carve out. Um, yes. Okay. One of the things I found for me is that I kind of need, I mean, those little spaces are great. And even, I mean, you mentioned 10 minutes, intentionally taking 10 minutes to just slow down, breathe, attune my attention to what God's doing and, and what I'm mm-hmm. doing. Um, but I found three days to be kind of a magic marker for me that I need. The, it, it seems without fail, the first 24 hours just are awful. And my right. brain's right. running and I'm thinking about all the stuff I got to do. But then somewhere after 24 hours, a wall breaks of sort. And, mm-hmm. Ah, mm-hmm. and I feel human mm-hmm. again. And I go, right. oh, this is so wonderful. And so I, I need at least, you know, a couple of days to kind of live in that space. Does that seem common for people to need a detox or decompress time? Yeah, very much so. Um, I think I think each of us need, for me, what it is and, and what I've seen in other people is you need a time to um, just settle into who you are. And often what we do is we become these roles. Like I become dad, I become husband, I become teacher, I become pastor, I become friend. Mm -hmm. And, and so for me, that first 24 hours is kind of this peeling off or shedding of the roles that I am Mm -hmm. to just be able to be present in the place. Mm -hmm. The other part of it is just simply 
it's exhausting. Life is exhausting. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we need 24 hours just to sleep, mm-hmm. just to rest. Um, I often will tell people, don't be surprised if, number one, if you fall asleep mm-hmm. a lot while you're trying to pray, so to speak. <laughs> the other is, don't be surprised if you actually get sick. Because mm-hmm. sometimes people will get, they'll, their body will actually let down enough mm-hmm. and they will not feel well for the first 24 hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that I think is okay. And I think that's healthy. In fact, I think that tells us we've probably been pushing a little bit too much. We've mm-hmm. been running a little bit too much and our body's saying, okay, time to stop. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Well, one of the things I love about retreat and hate, I guess, <laughs> is that we, we quickly find out the world goes on without us. <laughs> everything doesn't fall apart and the, yes. e- the emails can wait and uh, yes. um, I'm not as important as maybe I think I am or like to be. <laughs> yeah, very much so. Yeah. And you, and you realize that, um, that you not only are not as important as you think you are, but also for me, I realize that um, I can, I can approach life, from a different perspective. One of the things that happened at the Abbey is I noticed that I was finding myself thinking about people, uh-huh. thinking about hard things happening. Uh, one man that was dealing with uh, a brain uh, brain tumor and another um, another family who had had a, a recent loss and Diane who's busy at school. And I was thinking about people still and I couldn't do anything. Mm-hmm. That's what I felt at first. I can't do anything mm-hmm. to help them. Mm-hmm. And then I thought about what these men do at the Abbey. And one of the things I noticed is that they spend a lot of time praying. Mm. And so what I started to do was I started to just visualize their prayers flowing over the hills and into the valley mm-hmm. in, here in Newburgh there and in McMinnville and around Oregon and then around the United States and then around the world. And so I realized that even in those stopping times, those silent times, Mm -hmm. I can do a ton. And what I do is I offer people to Christ. Mm -hmm. I hold them before God. Mm -hmm. And what it does is it helps me realize I don't have to try and fix them. (laughs) I don't have to try and solve everything. Mm -hmm. And I want to take that into everyday life. I want to take that same mentality into everyday life. Mm -hmm. So when I interact with people now, I want to still have that same perspective. Mm -hmm. It is not up to me to fix them or change them or solve everything. But rather what I do is I try and be attentive to what God is already up to and join what God's doing. Right. Yes. Yes. And so, yeah, when I was away, it felt a little hard. It was like, Oh, I want to help. I want to go and do. Mm Mm-hmm. But that being was really instructive for me. I can't, just, I can help. I can pray. I can help. <laughs> exactly. I can help. I can pray. I can be a part of their life remotely in essence, um, but, but very powerfully. And again, it's not me. It's, it's, um, it's God's power. It's God's love and God's yeah. presence that does that. It's beautiful. All right. You have inspired me, Steve. I'm going to end our call here and see if I can't. Time. <laughs> I'll call Brother Scott. I'll call Brother Scott and see if you can go join him out at the monastery. No, I'm going to come to your thing. I want to do the Sabbath by the sea. That just yeah, so it would fun. be great. It'd be great to have you come come for a week. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing your experiences, Steve. Um, oh, always yeah. great to talk with you. Yeah, appreciate it.